We are coming in hot. The podcast. Welcome to Coming In Hot. Thank you live from Airplay Beats for the intro music. We are recording live from Darling New Media Studios in Midtown Sack. All right, people. I don't know if anybody knows. I don't know why anybody would know, but we've been on a little hiatus here coming in hot. Much needed break. But we're back. We're back, Sack. We're back as best of podcast from Sacktown Magazine. Shout out to Sacktown Magazine for uh, featuring us. This little podcast that we're just recording here. And another bonus is that I got part two of the Cecil story. Chef Cease. We left off in San Francisco. Um, but I had to, I forgot to include somebody in my, my first life story. And I don't think he listens to the podcast, but my boy Gil, known him since second grade. This is one of those people that have been in my life for a very, very long time. He's my brother. And sorry, Gil. I know you don't listen to this. You probably listen to this in the next five years or so. <laughs> I don't even know if you know I have a podcast. But Gil, San Francisco, we're going to talk about Gil in San Francisco. We ain't going too far into stuff just because the producer – tells me I got to write a book. So there's a lot of stuff missing from these stories for a reason. So um, we're going to start with me going to San Francisco. Um, I I told you how I was at Moxie and I was leaving there. Um, I was looking at different culinary schools. And, um, yeah, just this is back when AOL was, was, was on. I had the AOL, so went into the the search engine, put in culinary schools around Sa- uh, Sacramento, and CCA popped up. So I went to the CCA, and they had these. Um, you had to go, and you had to get interviewed to go to culinary school back then. They they were hurting people through, but there was still like a vetting process. Um, they wanted you to have some sort of experience in the kitchen or they said, um, when I went to do my interview, uh, orientation, whatever you want to call it. Um, so I went there, you know, they gave me a tour of the school right there on, uh, nine, two, five, uh, Polk street, uh, not there anymore. Uh, they moved to Rhode Island street out in, um, uh, South San Francisco, uh, historic building. So the building's still there, just not the CCA. Since then, CCA has closed, uh, really big, um, uh, lawsuit they had and eventually had to close the school down because of what I'm about to tell you right now. So culinary school to me is something that I do regret. I was five years into the cooking game. I thought that going to culinary school would put me on path of being an executive chef of a cruise line or a hotel or 
you know, be on Food Network. And the reason why I thought I could do all this is because that's what the CCA told me I was going to be. They said that after you're done with these 15 months, you're going to be, you're going to have your own restaurant or you're going to be on the Food Network or you're going to be, you know, at a hotel, have 50 cruise lines under you. So my eyes got big and I went for it. Um, didn't have the money, didn't have the credit at the time. So Cecil Rhodes Sr. co-signed for me. Uh, got my loan, packed up my girlfriend at the time and my dog and moved to San Francisco. Um, live, live on Geary Street in the Tenderloin. If anybody knows where, where that is, just go back to the Rafael Delgado uh, episode. We get pretty deep into what we was doing out there. Um, like I said, I uh, moved down with my girlfriend and my dog. Uh, got a really pretty decent apartment for being San Francisco. Um, I was only paying $1,200 at the time. Um, I'm sure it's $12,000 right now for that rent. Um, first day that I'm there, go out, walk my dog. Um, he, you know, used to grass, so had to walk a really long time for him to do his business. Um, you know, first time I saw somebody shit just on the street. That was my introduction to San Francisco. First day walking my dog, human shit right in front of me. Um, the next Monday I started school. Everybody's real excited. Everybody's in their chef whites. We had the uniform with the chef whites, with the checker pants, with the neckerchief. I don't think I ever wore a neckerchief after that. I don't know why people wear neckerchiefs. Um, Comey hat and went in the basic skills. Um, basic skills, real easy for me. You know, uh, like I said, I've been cooking in the kitchen for five and a half years now. But um, one thing that I did learn is, you know, terminology, um, terminology in the kitchen and how to, you know, pronounce things correctly, like a fond brune, um, a dark chicken stock and, you know, brunoise, eight by an eighth by an eighth cut of vegetables or anything else. Um, lucky enough, I did go there because as I was I needed a job because I was 24, 25 at the time. Um, parents weren't taking care of me. Shout out to Pops again for co-signing for me with that uh, culinary school. Still paying on it, by the way. <laughs> still still paying for culinary school. Um, I went to go get a job at Fog City Diner. Um, they were hiring um, went in there and pretty much on the application it said, Hey, what's a fond broom? I already knew what's a brunois. I knew from class. So Kevin Ritchie, if people are from Sacramento, you know that name pretty damn well. Uh, Kevin Ritchie was a sous chef at Fox city diner. He's the guy that hired me. And the reason he hired me is because he worked at the water boy. And he said, if anybody can work at Moxie, they could work here. 
So he took me in. Uh, big shout out to Kevin Ritchie. Hopefully you're doing well. Hopefully you're safe out there, Chef. Um, you need to come on the podcast. Um, he he was good. He was strict. He was one of those chefs that you know he he'll get loud. He'll get in your face. But you knew he was doing it from a passionate place. He wasn't just picking on you. Um, to take somebody in, you know, from Sacramento, that just because you know of where they worked, uh, that says a lot about a person. That says a lot about a chef. That says a lot about a leader. Um, so, you know, we went to war, um, and that's that's the battlefield in the kitchen. You know, you got your your cooks around you. You got your dishwashers. You got you know people in the front of the house um, are all working to get a perfect uh, plate of food out to you. So. You know, every anytime somebody comes in, especially now, you know, just know that that's what that kitchen staff, that's what that restaurant is in there doing. They're in there, you know, trying to give you the best experience possible. Um, and that's what we do in the restaurant industry. We're always striving to make that next dish, make that next experience as perfect as we can. Um so just be mindful of that stuff. So after, you know, a couple months at Fog City Diner, I ended up going to uh, Nordstrom's Bistro. Uh, Nordstrom's Bistro, I got the job because a girlfriend at the time had a friend that was like the, I don't know, she was like the, the top person in Northern California for Nordstrom. So uh, she got me a job there. Um, and... Working at Nordstrom's Bistros on top of uh, the Nordstrom's in Union Square, um, I'm sure everybody's been there. Great, great uh, lobster bisque or crab bisque. Um, but this is where I ran into disgruntled former CCA alum. The most negative kitchen I've ever been in, just because I went to culinary school. They were so down on me and telling me I should drop out and don't waste your money. The money's already gone, people. Your money was already gone, people. And at the same time, they're saying they're going to do a class action suit. They're going to sue the CCA. And I'm just like, you know what, guys? Good luck with that. But fast forward to today, CCA isn't there because of that class action suit. And because your boy was so fucked up and I changed my email, I didn't get a part of that uh, class action lawsuit because I was on Yahoo. When I came back to SAC, I went to Gmail. They didn't even think about my Yahoo email where that's the email that the school had. So I lost out on some money. Shit happens. <laughs> All right. So working at Nordstrom's Bistro, like I said, it was really negative there. Um, so I, I had to get out. Um, still going to culinary school. I just didn't want to be around negativity. I had a new start in San Francisco. I had my shit together for the most part. Um, and you know, just kept going to school and at the school they had student dining. So I ended up getting a part-time job in school, uh, student dining. 
I wanted to enjoy the city a little bit. So I would do the student dining. Um, I would go for, you know, uh, stages is what they're they're called where you work for free for about a week and you know at that time people just didn't hire people because they had a bunch of cca students going into the the kitchen so they get one week with this person bring another person in get a free week from this person another person comes in free week from this person so the first time i knew that i wasn't going to get paid i was at aqua Mike Amina's uh, first restaurant in San Francisco. So I'm in there and I'm, I'm working and, you know, I, I look to the side and I'm like, Hey, um, you know, I think it was like the sous chef or he might've been a lead line cook. And I'm like, Hey, when do we get paid from here? I've been here a couple of days. Nobody's like giving me any paperwork or anything like that. And they're like, well, you're a stage, right? I'm like, yeah, I'm a stage. And they're like, well, stages don't get paid. I'm 25, 24, 25 at this time. I needed to get paid. I, like I said, I didn't have mommy and daddy's money going to culinary school in San Francisco. So I ended up um, just putting my knife bag by the back door. And, you know, I, I went to the sous chef and I was like, hey, I'm going to go have a smoke break. At this point, I, I wasn't smoking. <laughs> I didn't smoke cigarettes at this point. So I was like, hey, I want to go take a smoke break, grab my knife bag, out the back door, never came back. Ended up um, staying with student dining. You know, you get fed. They pay you a little bit of money. And I could focus on schoolwork at the same time because at this time, um, you know, school's getting a little bit more um, – Intense, I guess I'll say. Um, a lot of reports due, and you know, doing doing um, the the financial part and do running numbers, and you know, coming up with business plans and things like that that you have to do in culinary school. It just got a lot for me. So being in the student dining and being able to stay around campus a little bit more helped me out a lot. Um, and you know. After 12 months, they uh, take you on a, you got to do an externship. So you go out for about three months. Um, usually it's a three-month stage. You don't get paid. But uh, I ended up at Sutro's Kitchen at Cliff House on Ocean Beach. And that was the the turning point, I guess, for my culinary vision. Damn, that was nice. <laughs> Turning point for my culinary vision. I need to write that down. Um, so this is where I found out how to really cook good food. Great ingredients. Great uh, kitchen staff. Great just good people, like professional servers, like servers putting their kids through school college, fine dining people, greatest produce in the world coming through the door. They talking about farm the fork, you know, farm, uh, farm the table, what it called. Sacramento came up with the farm the fork, um, farm the table dining, 
You know, we're going out, we're we're butchering old pigs, we're breaking down everything, we're making stocks from scratch, we're, you know, making mayonnaise from scratch, we're doing everything from scratch. And just being in a brigade system where, you know, you're talking constantly, you're getting out the food, you're putting out a perfect plate of food. Um, if you don't put a perfect plate of food out, you got to get it thrown at your head you know, tell them to remake it again. Um, a lot of fighting, a lot of hugging, a lot of laughing, a lot of drinking, a lot of sexing, you know, like real kitchen shit. <laughs> real kitchen shit right there. Um, but life caught up with me. Um, girlfriend at the time leaves. Takes the dog with her. It gets dark. If you want to listen to most of it, holla, uh, go go back into the archives. Rafael Delgado. We get into it then. Um, yeah, finished my externship. Uh, got offered a job to stay on with uh, Sutros. I uh, stayed on. Was working pretty hard. Um, but partying a lot harder, um, they, they put me on a track to become sous chef down there. So they wanted me to start working the daytime. So I, I, I accept it. I say, yes, I want to grow. I want to do this. I want to do that. But actions speak louder than words for sure. Um, I wasn't waking up on time. I was coming in late, coming in hungover, coming in, you know, not sleep, haven't slept in, you know, two days. So had to go up to my, my chef at the time and said, Hey, you got to put me back at nights. I don't think I could do this daytime thing. Um, after that, you know, I was just a cook. I was just on the grill. I was either grill, saute, damn good cook. But at this point, there was no moving up for me. You know, they already had people that could show up on time, that could get the job done in a timely fashion, not come in hungover, not come in still drunk, not come in on two days, no sleep. <clears throat> for the young people out there, I always tell them that the party can wait. And what what I what I mean by that is that you got your whole life ahead of you. Yeah, you could go out, you could um you could go out, you could chill, you know, you could have a couple drinks with your friends, but when it starts affecting your daily your day to day, when it starts affecting your family, when you can't get up and go to work, either stop or try to get help to stop. <clears throat> So life got bad, you know, life got really bad. Life got in just a spiral, you know, I was spiraling. It was fucking bad. Um, get off of work, you know, trade, trading, you know, high end <laughs> Wagyu steaks to the liquor store across the street for, Couple forty ounces of beer. It's stupid shit, man. It's stupid shit. Um, got so bad that I, I stopped paying my rent. Uh, 
you know, eviction letters coming on the door. Um, so I had to call my pops. Hey, pops, I need you to come get me. I got to get out of here. Um, he comes and picks me up in a U-Haul that night. Let's get out of here. Um, so pops comes, picks me up. Uh, Rafael Delgado, big shout out to him. He helped us load up. Um, get the fuck out of San Francisco. This is three years, three, three and a half years being in the San Francisco. Just being eaten up and spit out. And there's a lot of people that, that has gone through that in San Francisco. I'm one of them. I ain't gonna lie. Um, so come back to SAC. Uh, at this time, my uh, dad's father-in-law was opening uh, Warner's Rendezvous out in South SAC. He wanted to spice up the menu a little bit. He wanted to change it. He wanted to not be a fried chicken joint. So I came in, changed the menu, did some, you know, middle of the road stuff, you know, grilled salmon, Caesar salad, stuff like that, um, just to switch it up a little bit. But we talking about 99 and flooring, homie. <laughs> they, they might eat grilled salmon every once in a while, but I don't know if they're coming out to Warner's Rendezvous where you only get busy from 10 to 2 at night. I don't know if they're having the Caesar salad at the Warner's Rendezvous at uh, 1.30 in the morning. So got got really, got really down, really depressed, started drinking at work, started partying with people at work. You know, same old fucking story, right? <clears throat> so got fired from there. Down, down and out, man. Got really, really, really dark for a second there. Um, my buddy Tay, Taylor Lancaster, big shout out to Tay. He hits me up. He just bought a house. He needs roommates. Pops, <laughs> Pops is tired of looking at me probably. I'm 26, 27. This is a drunk mess, drugged out mess in his house. Who want to see that shit, right? So, no, I think I was living with my mom at the time. Uh, ended up moving with Tay. Um, he took me in, get on Craigslist and find this ad for a, a upper casual dining experience coming to Roseville. Call up the chef. Hey, chef, um, Cecil, here's the, send my resume. Go in, talk to Chef Irie. Chef Irie. From Hawaii, not from Hawaii, but from uh, Chicago, but he, he got his chops in Hawaii. Um, good mentor. Um, Chef Irie, super just, I, I guess you'll say, uh, uh, straight ahead. Um, maybe you you call him. Uh, he was laid back, but at the same time, cerebral, um, knew his shit, knew his numbers. Um, I was kind of used to working with chefs that were more in the, in the kitchen. Um, he wasn't, he wasn't a line cook. He wasn't, he wasn't an expo. He was like 
an executive chef. He was a guy that he had chefs under him. He made sure those chefs did their job. He made sure the the restaurant ran the way he wanted it to run. He wasn't going to hop in. If you was the only person on the line, you was the only one cooking. He wasn't going to hop on that line for you. He'll let you sink or swim. Something that I learned a little later on in life, um, being a chef. You can't just be in there just cooking your ass off every day if you want to grow. <clears throat> but met with Chef Irie, um, had a very good conversation, uh, probably the longest interview I've ever been on. Um, it, it took, it was probably about an hour just chopping it up. I've never talked to a chef that long. Um, well, executive chef, I guess I'll say, of course, sous chefs are always around, but to talk to an executive chef and he asked me, what do you want to, what do you want to do? Where, where do you want to end up at crush 29? And I told him, I want your job. (laughs) He said, come and get it. All right. So I left that interview Got an interview. Uh, got a second interview with uh, Chef Irie. Uh, he comes in and he he hires me. He's like, "Hey, so we went to Moxie, um, talked to the owners there, and they say, oh, we didn't know Cecil was back in town. Well, if you don't hire him, we're gonna call him and rehire him here.' So Irie took that as this guy's for real. Let's uh, you know, give him a try." He started me out as a supervisor, a line supervisor for the saute station. And we got busy. We built that damn restaurant. Um, we did every station. We we trained on every station. We needed to know what everybody was doing from prep all the way to the front of the house. And this is where I became a chef, people. This is where somebody actually took me under their wing and said, "Hey, you know, you're 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 a good you're a good cook. You need to be a good chef now." So from there, you know, I moved up to sous chef. Um, if anybody out there knows the Crush Twenty Nine story, it's all <laughs> it's all on Google, people. We don't need to really get too far into it, but I work for some pretty bad people. You know, they took a lot of people's money to build out things that were never going to be built. Um, The Crush 29 was a great restaurant. I met a lot of cool people. I'm still friends with a lot of them, Um, but... Just like in most most things that go under, management just couldn't get out of their own way. Um, ownership, for sure, fucked a lot of people. Um, there's a lot of people that went down with the ship that didn't get paid for months. But that's what we are. We're, we're restaurant people, and no matter how much somebody abuses you, you still want to get in there and you still want to fight. You still want to show your grit. You still want to know that, you know, somebody cares and won't fuck you over. 
But that's what that ownership did. They fucked a lot of people over. Um, one of the greatest opening weeks I've ever seen, you know, um, doing 30 grand a day in, in sales, you know, the, the bar just still magnificent. Shout out Sienna, shout out uh, Land Ocean, uh, Sienna. They they did some remodeling in there, but um, still has the same vibe, uh, close to the same menu. Um, yeah, Crush Twenty Nine, uh, Jason Hockma. Big shout out to him, Josh Miller. Uh, everybody knows Jake. Um, that's where me and Jake met. That's where me and Jake fought. That's where me and Jake cried, where we laughed, where we, you know, just just had each other's back. There's a lot of shit. Um, but, again, there's a lot of fucking shit that I just never came to grips with, with my, my alcoholism, um, with my drug addictions. Um, at this time, I think I was like taking Norcos and fucking drinking like a damn fish and, you know, that kind of shit catches up with you and it caught up with me and, you know, landed me, uh, getting two DUIs and what was that? 2018, two DUIs within two weeks, um, ended up going to jail for a little bit. Uh, luckily crush 29, uh, welcome me back. Uh, you know, a lot of apologizing I had to do, um, to my managers, to my staff, to my chefs, um, tried to clean up my act for a little bit. Um, yeah, just, a, just a fucking crazy time. And, you know, it's just one of those things where if you need to help people, if you know you need the help, and I knew I needed help, I just didn't know how to ask for it. Um, and I just hope anybody out there that's struggling with uh, addiction, you know, just know that's an addiction and there's there's help out there. And it, it, it took me a long time to get that help. It took me my third DUI and going to jail for 140 days. Um, that kind of kicked my ass into getting my shit together. Um, the disappointment on a mother and father's face when you get arrested, get put on the eighth floor in Sac County, and you ain't took no shower, you ain't took no bath in four days, and they shackle your ass up and they take you to the through the courtroom, through that nasty ass hallway, and then they put you in front of the public defender, and the public defenders they don't care. They're just hurting you through just like the rest of them. And you try to tell them that you're a good person, you just made some bad mistakes. They don't give a fuck. But the look of my mom crying out there. My pops wouldn't even look up. Step pops is there. You know, fucking Paul Ruffin. 
Step stepdad of the fucking millennium, man. <laughs> Put up with a lot of my shit. Shout out to stepmoms, Pat. Same same boat. <clears throat> but the look on my parents' faces, seeing their son shackled up. My my dad was helping me out with the um, DUI stuff from before. He didn't even know I had a second one. Um, but just, you know, hearing that 140 days because I didn't finish my work project, so all that was in a warrant. And just hearing that cell close behind you. Crazy shit, man. Real, 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 real low fucking point for your boy, Chef Cease. Fucking low, 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 low fucking point. Um, They shipped me out to RCCC. <laughs> My only saving grace in this whole fucking thing is when you have as much time as I did, they automatically put you in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> so I was <laughs> so my my one silver lining in going to jail is that when I was in jail I was still cooking. Um and then I got released on a uh, house arrest again. Gilberto Castro, my best friend in the whole world, my brother, takes me in. He had to go get you know, the sheriff department had to come and look at his house and make sure there's no liquor in there and make sure this and that. And I just remember me getting out and my pops picking me up and said, you are lucky as fuck that you got a friend like Gil. And I knew at that time, I knew before, just all the shit that we've been through. And Gil, I saved you in San Francisco, but it might be in the book. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, big shout out to Gil, man. He took me in. He uh this is my brother. And I hope he knows if he was ever in a situation, and I know he, he would never be because he's a he's a good fucking dude. He got a gray head on his shoulder. Um you always got a place with me, buddy. Um so after that, um, I was on house arrest. Um, shout out to Josh Miller and Jake Bombard coming over, cooking with me. Shout out to the late uh, Henry Castro. Um, one of the most selfless things ever done was um, Mr. Castro coming over and making tamales from scratch with me while I'm on house arrest. He didn't need to do that shit. But he just sat there with me and we made... Tamales from scratch took about two or three days. And um, I just needed something like that, I guess. And I think he knew I needed something just to take my head out of all the bullshit that I'm going through. Um, at this time, I started doing AA. Um, it's, it's, it's for, you know, it, it helps a lot of people. It just wasn't for me. Um, I'll pop into a meeting here or there when I, when I feel like I need it, but, um, never, never did the 12 steps. 
Um, follow a lot of the steps, but, uh, never, never did them. Um, but Hey, it's a great tool for the people that work it and the things that, that, that help people, you know, in a struggling situation. Again, everybody, if anybody's out there that has addiction issues or addicted to anything, just try every Avenue. Like I said, 12 steps didn't help me, but therapy did. And for the last four and a half years, that's what I've been doing religiously every Monday, 10 a.m. Except for holidays. Um, woo. Bella Brew. Do we got time, Producer Ash? <laughs> Oh, boy. So, March 1st, 2017, I want to say. Does that sound right? No, 2010. March 1st, 2010. The day I got my ankle bracelet off, the first day I started working with Bella Brew. I don't know if those folks knew that when they're interviewing me at Bella Brew and the Thomas had an ankle monitor on. <laughs> and then when they asked me when I when I could start work, I had to look up my last day that I'll have the ankle monitor on, which was March first, two thousand ten. I step into the kitchen. I never met Liz before. I interviewed with uh, Steve Mishler, her husband, and um, I told him at the time, I was like, he was like, well, you know, you have a lot of experience. Are you going to be okay being a line cook? And I was like, yeah, I got to start somewhere, but this is what I'm going to tell you. I'm a chef. I want to run a kitchen again. I got it in me, and I know I, I could show you that I could be your next chef of Natomas. At the time, or I think when we started, he was like, yeah, we got a chef in here and, you know, we really, we got to give him a chance, but I don't think it's going to work out. And I told him I'll, I'll be the chef. Just give me a little bit of time to learn the menu and what you guys do. And then I'll turn it around and I'll I'll do whatever you guys need me to do. Three weeks in, there's a huge uh, catering that they're doing out of the Carmichael area that the chef there forgot about. And this is on St. Patrick's Day. So, yeah, 17 days in of me working uh, for Bella Brew. She forgets to order the stuff. They're scrambling. Got to get this food out. I think they got the food out. Uh, uh, no, I know they did because we actually had to make it in the Thomas on the fly. So, lo and behold, that chef gets fired because you fuck up a big-ass catering because your head was up your ass. Something that I'm used to. Something that I've been doing for the last few years. But all of a sudden, I'm not drinking anymore, and everything's a little bit clearer. Goddamn. Who would have thought? If you're not fucking drunk 24-7, you can actually function. (laughs) <laughs> Jesus. Woo. So 
I get the call from Liz. Hey, would you like to, you know, come and be the executive chef of uh, Bella Brew Car, Michael? I'm like, eh, yeah, that's cool. You know, that's what I wanted to do. So that next week, I show up and I meet Memo. Memo Orozco. Memo is a beast. Asshole, but a beast. Memo, I hope you're listening to this. Yes, Bendejo, you are an asshole. So, best, one of the best opening cooks ever. Runs the line by himself. Preps for lunch. Preps for dinner. And I don't know if people know about Bella Brew Car, Michael. We got breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We got the Luna Lounge in the back where we got a happy hour. We got owners that always want a different special for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But at dinner, you got to have to have an appetizer, a salad, a protein, two proteins, a fish dish, which is three proteins now. And if you're feeling lucky, maybe a dessert. But if everybody knows, Bella Brew has their baking department too. So we usually got uh, cakes or something in there for dessert. So I had my hands full, but if it wasn't for Memo taking care of that kitchen from six to two every day, I don't know how the hell I could have got all these specials done. But at the same time, this is where I grew into my own. This is where I started making my food, that new American soul. This is where I found my niche of, let me elevate what I grew up on. Let me bring a fresher spin on soul food, I guess I'll say. So that's why I call it New American Soul. And I fucking killed that shit. If people knew that food that was coming out of that kitchen from 2010 to 2014, you knew you had some of the best food of your life. Because I, I was clear-minded. I was just enthralled into my cooking at this point. Like, everything I did was for that damn customer. Every flavor that I put into that food was for that damn customer. I left everything that I had in that kitchen on a daily basis. I had some of the best line cooks from Memo to his brother Araldo to... Uh, Marcos, even asshole Alfredo. My man Josh Miller came in for a little bit. Um, Renee, we went to battle every single goddamn day. Brought my boy Caesar in to do pastas. Man, we were killing that damn food. We were doing our goddamn thing, and we didn't give a fuck about nothing else but getting in there and making the most delicious food that we can do. Breaking down chickens, breaking down fish, bringing in fish, like sitting with my fishmongers and, you know, going over like what our next, what, what they could bring in the next couple of days and just any kind of, you know, from uh, fresh sea bass to, you know, getting in organic salmon and, you know, going over to Waldorf school and working with the kids out there and doing dinners out in their garden. 
You know, we was out there. We was doing catering for the Kings. We were doing pizza specials on Tuesday. We were fucking killing the goddamn game out of this little-ass kitchen in Carmichael. But I had that crew. I had a crew that I built that no matter what, no matter how many arguments or how much of an asshole I was being that day, they still came in and they came to work and they came to fucking put good food out. And that's something that, you know, Bella Brew fired me. I, I still don't know the real reason, but I could never thank the Mischlers enough. I could never thank the Carlsons enough for at least two, two and a half years where you just let me have free reign over that menu. It switched up. I changed up. Because I started drinking again. But we'll, we'll save that for part three, people. Uh, subscribe anywhere that you get your podcast. Again, thank you. Thank you, Sacktown Magazine, for giving me the best uh, podcast 2021. Really appreciate everybody out there. Thank you, Live from Airplay Beats, for always having the intro and the outro music. Thank you, Nate from Darling New Media Studios in Midtown Sack. Thank you just to everybody that takes the time out to listen to this goddamn podcast, to listen to me ramble on about my fucking life. <laughs> oh, man. Love you, Sack. Peace.